Hey, you're listening to Patrick Coppolino, and this is the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Now you can purchase and print your gift certificates online. Just go to yuckyucks.com and click on gift certificates. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. What is going on, my little yucca maniacs? This is your host, Jay Kirsch, and you are listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me right here on this little frosty little... What the hell was that? Did you guys hear that? I keep getting these little surges. I don't know what they are. It probably means that the mixing board is going to explode at any minute, and I'm going to be left with facial scars and reminders of why... uh, I'm just going to be known from every club across the country. When as soon as I walk in the door, oh hey, isn't that uh, the Jay Kirsch guy who got the mixing board? He was the, yeah, that's right. He was the host of the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast, and the mixing board exploded in his face while he was doing the Lisa Baker episode. That's right, folks. This week's guest is your favorite comedian from Newfoundland, Miss Lisa Baker. Now Lisa is a transplant now. She's living in Edmonton, but. We had this real uh, kindred spirit thing because uh, I used to be married to a, a, a girl from Newfoundland. So I had actual you know, knowledge of what it's like hanging out with Newfoundlanders and going to bars and, and breaking bread. What the fuck is that? Jesus criminy. Uh, note to the uh, production staff, uh, 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 Camille or Kira, my equipment is going to blow up in my face and I'm going to need some new, uh, some new equipment here shortly and possibly reconstructive surgery. We're not ruling that out yet. Keep that in the budget, please. Reconstructive surgery for Jake after the podcast uh, mixer blows up in my face. Now, uh, back to my story here. Lisa Baker, uh, what a fantastic interview. I, it, it was, the story goes like this, is that I originally was supposed to go over and interview uh, John Bueller, who, who was in town doing, uh, doing some comedy and uh, headlining the Calgary Club. Lisa, I believe, was the MC. Uh, yeah, I think she was the MC for this one, or the middle, but I'm, I'm sure she was an MC. Anyway, uh, Lisa and John were both in town, and I was really looking forward to going over uh, to the Yuck Yucks Ranch and uh, do a little podcasting with my two pistol packing buddies there, but... Um, Unfortunately, uh, we didn't get uh, we didn't get a chance to interview John uh, this time around, but hopefully we'll get him on next time he's in town. Uh, I ended up sitting down with Lisa and had a fantastic interview. Uh, we shared a mutual love of Starbucks and, of course, East Coast pride and East Coast uh, just uh, heartwarming uh, stories and, and, and funny anecdotes and and. Uh, it's it was really really cool being able to kick back with somebody and just you know bullshit about Newfoundland and the people and how wonderful not just Newfoundland obviously but just the East Coast vibe and I think everybody you know that I've ran into in Canada that is from the East Coast are just some of the nicest people. Now don't get me wrong, there's a lot of dirt bags out there as well. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. There's dirt bags everywhere, kids. Okay, just so you know, there's dirt bags everywhere. We got dirt bags here too. Anyway, uh, j- just you know, I think the the general consensus is is that people from the East Coast are very very uh, uh, home welcoming. They're they're just very gracious people. They're very uh, heart heartfelt, very very uh, very homey, and uh, and just very accommodating and, and and very welcoming. And and that was my experience going out there. And it was uh, obviously she brings that. Uh, just through her personality, her ability to talk and, and tell jokes and, and to just sit down and, and have a fantastic interview. I don't think there was any quiet time the, in, the entire time I was there. And even when I turned off my equipment, we still kept going. I think we ended up yapping for an extra 20, 30 minutes or something like that. Uh, she's an absolute pleasure and, and just a phenomenal talent. So uh, if you don't have a chance to catch her while she was in town here, uh, or if you didn't have a chance to catch her while she was in town, uh, be sure to check her out next time she is. And not only that, hey, listen, this is how comedy works. Uh, take a look online at the website, yuckyucks.com. I'm not, I'm not plugging it. Don't everybody, you know, their their ass just clenched right up. The cheeks, I just saw the cheeks just buckle right up. Oh, God, here's Hirsch with another plug. 
Yay! No, listen, I'm not plugging anything. I'm just saying, if you miss a comedian in town, or if you even if you don't miss one, if you go see one and you really like them, find out where they're going next. You know, they could be going to your hometown. They could be going to a city that you got friends in and just say, hey, sh- shit, I know you guys probably don't check out comedy a whole bunch, or, or maybe you do, but whatever the case is, go check this comic out. Uh, they just played here and they just knocked it out of the park and, and you guys got to see him or her or whoever it is that's in town. And I, that's just how it works, man. You know, it's better. The more we push comedy, the more we push people getting out there and enjoying it. And, and just seeing some of this talent is, is just unbelievable. I think we're on the verge of something great here. People I'm telling you right now, get in on the ground floor. This is a big investment in your future in comedy. We've got some heavy hitters, uh, out of this fine country, Canada, my adopted homeland, uh, but back to my point, uh, people, what I mean by on the verge of something great is that, uh, I, I was listening to this interview with, uh, Mr. Mark Marin, I believe it was. And I think he was talking to, I think it was Bob Zamuda and I'm going to have to probably, um, find out, uh, the guy's name from, uh, from HBO, but Bob Zamuda was talking about, uh, a, a uh, a guy that uh, that used to manage, I think it was the oh man, what was it? I think he used to manage uh, the son of a bitch. Yeah, that thing's gonna go here pretty soon. Anyway, listen, I'm gonna wrap this up quickly. Uh, he, he ended up being one of the um, of the managers of I think it was the Improv in New York City, and. While Bob Zamuda was there back in the day with like, um, who was it? Andy Kaufman and Jay Leno and, and, uh, uh, Larry David and, you know, all these comedians back then, they, you know, none of these guys were well known back then, obviously. Jay Leno, he said, was pulling up on a motorcycle and, and, you know, out in the snow in the wintertime because he couldn't afford a car. All these guys were just kind of like these, you know, uh, amateur comedians chasing their dream all around, you know, small clubs in New York, wherever they thought, uh, you know, they would, uh, 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 you know, have a chance to get up on stage and, and actually get some, get some stage time telling jokes and stuff. And one of the stories that he told us about this guy that was working there, uh, Chris Albrecht, I think his name was, and he was the president of HBO original programming back from 95 to like 2002. Anyway, Chris Albrecht was like the manager of the improv back then for Bud Friedman, as you guys uh, obviously know the name. Uh, he was a um, manager of the bar and all these comics would come in and, and, and he would you know obviously know all these guys from booking them and all this type of stuff. So who did HBO go to when they needed someone who had their finger on the pulse of what was happening? They went to Chris Albrecht and they said, hey, you know all these guys. You know all these comedians. You know all these people that are coming through this, uh, this club. And, and, you know, you know, some very funny people and the heavy hitters and the people who are going to be future stars here. And, uh, I think you would be, it would be very advantageous of us to have you around. And what, what happened? He joined HBO and, and he ended up turning around and, and green lighting. You know, I, I think that was probably HBO is one of their most successful runs, uh, of original programming back then. Obviously, with shows like, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm and The Sopranos and, and all this type of stuff, Chris Albrecht was responsible for all those shows and, you know, the writers and the people that he brought on to kind of realize his vision. Uh, and, and of course, who did he turn to? He turned to some of the most uh, successful comedians that he had uh, to his disposal back in the day. So they developed all these TV shows and, and all this stuff, all on Chris Albrecht knowing all these comedians. So my point here is, folks, is that you never know who's going to go on to do what and 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 you know you're you're truly in the presence of, of the future superstars so when you have a chance to go see comedy and you see these comedians you know going club to club and and you know making a living and 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 plying their their trade uh this is the early phases of superstardom this is you know the stories that they tell back in the day about louis ck and and, and jerry seinfeld and all this stuff and, and I really, truly believe that. I've seen some very talented people come out of Canada, and I think that we are on the verge of seeing some major superstars come out of the comedians that we get to see headline today uh, throughout uh, Canada. I think it's just it's great stuff. Anyway, I'm rambling. I'm just going 100 miles an hour. Uh, I think that hot cocoa actually had um, some speed in it. So let's go talk to my good pal, my new BFF, Lisa Baker. 
Yeah, what is that though? Because everybody I talk to, it's it's the same thing. Like they, no matter if you're in Edmonton or if you're in Victoria or wherever you are in the country, they always say. But it's always like, uh, have you been to Newfoundland? Because everybody there is so amazingly yeah. nice and accommodating. It's weird. We're we're ridiculously nice. Like I've been in rooms with comics. Um, one comic's been to Newfoundland. I probably work with them in New because I started in Newfoundland, right? And I probably work with them there. So we're just kind of shooting the shit. And then there's another comic in the room. And but the comic that's been to Newfoundland is telling me his experience the last time he was there. Right. And the other comic's sitting there, and he's like, "Dude, you've never been, and you need to go to Newfoundland." And this other comic who's completely oblivious is listening to the story that he's right. telling and thinking this can't be real <laughs> because it's just the most ridiculous. It's like this lady after the show, her and her husband came up to us and then they invited us over for Sunday dinner and they yeah. drove us to the airport. Yeah. Like- and then she sent us home with like jars of like preserves <laughs> and like and I'm and I'm sitting there going, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. And it's just to me it's perfectly normal. It's, That's totally it's normal. Perfectly normal yeah. behavior. Um and but other people it's very it's just disturbing. <laughs> and I've heard people tell me too, like they've been down east and it took them like a day or two to get used to the fact that like nobody's in a real hurry. Right, right. So it's a if, way of life. Then, yeah, and even yeah. though we have things to do, we have jobs, we have sure. we have shit that we have to do too. We're on <laughs> deadlines, but if someone stops us and they're like, "Excuse me," and they ask for like directions, we could be late for work, and we'd be like, "Oh yeah, sure, just follow me up the road here a little ways. <laughs> oh, I'll show you now. When you get up, see that building up there? You're gonna want to swing a left right there, and if you hit the church, you're gone too far." <laughs> You know, and you get to work, it's like, ah, oh, tourists stopped. And oh, asked somebody, me for, you know, nobody cares, right? Somebody, or somebody wrote on their Facebook the other day, I don't even know who the hell it was, but it was some comedian had written, uh, I, I had asked an old lady if I was uh, taking the right bus or, or transit or something, and she said that she walked him like three or four blocks yeah. to make sure that he got to the right place. Yep. yep. And people are just like blown away, and I'm like, I'm yeah. like, everybody that I've met from Newfoundland is just so fucking gracious and nice yeah. and accommodating. And-, and it's funny because in Newfoundland, too, like, you'll meet assholes there. But sure. it's But it's like when you come out, when you leave the island, our mean right. is still nice. <laughs> <laughs> Your version of mean right? is, still, is still super nice. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. But we don't take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. We don't take life too seriously. Right. Um, we've been through, our as a province, as a group of people... Through like right now, Alberta's in this big downturn, right? And but you Newfies, guys have been through a lot of shit. We've out been there. through a lot. And so new for me as a newfie, like I was laid off up north. I was a tradesperson. Right. I've never been unemployed in Alberta more than like I think the total amount of days I've been unemployed in this province in three years has been five total. That's it. Like all, like all together. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm you know I just I think we're just built for it. Right. Right. We're just, we come from good stock that's, yeah. and we don't tie pride to the same things other people tie pride to. So like right. I've heard people say, well, I don't want to take a job at Tim Hortons when I used to make 30 bucks an hour. That's, Whereas yeah. a newfie will say, you know, I need to make a living and feed my family and sure. keep, keep my house. So they'll do whatever because we don't see that as swallowing your pride. Right. We look at it as, am I going to come out the other side whole? Sure. And that's something to be proud of. Absolutely. Right? That's, so that's so funny you mentioned that because that seems to be um, the kind of the the attitude that I've seen over the last six months or year yeah. here because of all the job losses and the you know the oil and gas. But when I talk to Newfoundlanders, uh, everything is temporary. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to, you know what I mean? I'm just going to do this yep. for the next six months to yep. get me through and then I'll get back on, you know, and it's, it's always a positive outlook. Yep. And with other people... Like you said, it, it just becomes this thing where it's like, I got laid off and my whole world crashes and there's no other, I'm going to sit at home now for a year and not, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. It's just this mentality yeah. of like. Well, like I could have, I could have um, claimed uh, EI and mm-hmm. I, but I, I like work, I wanted to work. You right? have to work. Yeah. So, and of course it's not enough money, right? Sure. For me, I was like, that's, I'm not going to be able to live on that. That's stupid. Right. Why even, why even, you know, toy with the idea? Yeah. So I went and found work, but it's, it, it's interesting to me because for us, it's, it's so normal. Right. For us to think that way. Yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. so it's just so normal for us to go, Okay, uh, what are we gonna do now? Right. You know? What's, <laughs> What's next? next? <laughs> right? It's like, oh well, guess we gotta do something else, you know? Because <laughs> it's almost it's just like cause you can beat a dead horse. Right. And as you know, it's funny because the stereotype, of course, of Newfoundlanders is that we're stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. A lot of the stereo the jokes and stuff, you know, the sure. stupid newfies, right? Right. And it's like, well, you know, 
maybe that's what you think. Right. But we're smart enough to keep going. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. we're smart enough to just keep plugging away at it, whatever yeah. it is. Right. So, and we're not, but we're not that stupid that we'll stand and beat a dead horse. Either. Exactly. Exactly. Right. We'll go beat the By the live time one. you figure it out, we've already moved on to the next. <laughs> yeah, we're on to the next horse. That's still alive. We're going to beat that for a while. Right. <laughs> and that's how we do it. So, so when did you move out here? When did you move um, out west? It'll be three years next month since and I you moved, moved from Newfoundland. From St. John's, Newfoundland. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about growing up there. What was that like? Um, I grew up, we grew up, um, we didn't have very much. Right. Um, like most people, I guess, especially in my, my neighborhood, we grew up in a, like public government housing. Sure. Um, my parents were from, uh, both my parents are from a small community um, that's at the edge of St. John's, but it's a part of St. John's. Right. What's that place called? <clears throat> it's called Shea Heights. Shea Heights. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, if you're in St. John's, like, okay, so to try to put it into perspective for you. Right. Because I can do the comparison if I'm in Edmonton. Because I tell people it's like 118th. Right. Um, I don't know what the Calgary equivalent is. but So if I was in St. John's right now. Right. And I said to someone, I'm from Shea Heights. People immediately back up. That, see, that's what I'm talking about. Because when I would go and party with my ex-wife. Uh, and for those of you who are wondering what that has to do with anything. She was from Newfoundland. Yeah. Uh, the same type of thing. Oh, that's so and so from the ghouls, or or yes, they, all no, that... I fucking hate the ghouls. Don't bring them up. <laughs> Fuck the ghouls. Yeah, like, we fucking like... hate each other. But it's like they have these pockets of, of, yeah, yeah. of places where it's yeah. like it comes with a reputation, right? And it's like the equivalent. The way the town is, it's like these little teeny. They're they're little teeny towns, but they're not. They're part of the city. Sure. So, but it's the way it's like because it, for years Shea Heights wasn't. It wasn't a part of St. John's, right? And then it became a part of St. John's. But we're we're still the like it's still a family community. We're right. and when I say family community, I mean that. My grandmother growing up, because when I eventually we moved to Shea Heights, back to where my parents were from, my um, my grandmother lived up the street. My, when I left Newfoundland, my mom lived down the street. Right. My aunt lived a couple streets over. My other aunt lived another couple. Like the whole, everybody's related. You say a last name, you know that Everybody family. Everybody knows who it is. Yeah. yeah. It's generation and generation and generation in this community. Wow. It's a community where you can still let your children out at three and four years old to play in the dirt. And they're fine. And they're yeah, fine. Because yeah, if you're not watching them, somebody is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's Real a community oh absolutely a hundred percent like wow. if something happens the whole community pitches in my grandparents lost their house right um about i don't know like uh justin's my son's 18 he was like he was like three when it happened so you're talking like 15 years ago my grandparents house burned to the ground wow and their house was old really old right and um it just went up like a Tinderbox, oh huh? yeah, instantly, Especially right? Just like the older homes. Yeah, right? yeah, and it wasn't. Um, they didn't have homeowners insurance because they couldn't get homeowners insurance because nobody would insure it. Sure. So there was a lot of stuff that wasn't up to code and stuff like that. So when they right. lost the house, they they lost everything. Lost everything. Yeah. Immediately, the community pulled together. In two weeks, my parent, my grandparents walked into a brand new home, fully furnished, right Holy down to groceries shit. in the fridge because of the community. No way. The men would come home from work. It was winter time. It was two weeks before Christmas. They moved them in Christmas Eve. And it was two weeks before Christmas, so it was dark every day at like four. Right. And, and the men cold would as, cold as hell. It's, well, it's not as cold as it is here, but yeah, it's cold. You're yeah. talking dead of winter, right? Sure. So the the boys would come home from work, and they would rig up lights, and they would work till like probably 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Holy shit. And then go home, go to bed, get up, go to their day jobs. And then do it And all do the same again. thing again every night. That's fucking incredible. Yeah, they had, I mean, men who were retired were just coming out to help, and it was an incredible effort um, on behalf of the community. It's not the first time they've done that, and it won't be sure. the last time they've done but that. That's a, that's such a beautiful. That's, a, that's yeah. A I mean, if someone gets sick, the whole community takes care of them, you know. Yeah. And um, when my my grandparents, they're passed on now. My grandfather grandfather died. My grandmother only died a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So I had my grandparents my whole life. Right. And you'd go to Nan's house on Sunday, and right. dinner would be cooked and. Like, that's the kind of environment I, I grew up in. Right. And, um, I re, you know, I, like, I remember when Nan passed away, we, uh, we told everyone we were having, she didn't want a funeral, so we just cremated her, mm-hmm. and we had everyone come to her house after just to, just to, you know, because we're kind of Irish, I right. guess. Sure. So, like, that night we all got drunk and stuff, but, right. um, because <laughs> we are, we are Irish, but, um, but... <laughs> I read a great book about the Irish in Newfoundland together. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But yeah, totally right. Yeah, yeah. So that day, everyone came to the house, of course, and there was like no tears or nothing, nothing right. like that. And um, 
you know, we were like, don't bring any food because we're, we're making sure there's going to be, so my aunt went out and she got all this food and she got this lady in the community who makes these great cakes to make all these cakes and pies and stuff. Of course, everybody brought brought food. Right. Sure. So you should like, there was so much food. So everybody, everyone that comes were just like, take a, just please take a plate, take a plate. (laughs) But the amount of people that came into the house, like for us, it's, it's not unusual to have, um, a funeral where there's so many hundred in attendance in our right. community. Like the whole community comes out. Yeah. And uh, my uncle passed away a few months ago. Um, he, was, he was rather young in his 40s. And um, he owned a tow truck company. Right. And every single tow truck, it was on the news and everything. When Came they went, out. they did the motorcade to the wow, to the graveyard. No they way. held up traffic. It was just this huge. Holy shit. Every company. Came out. Like all his competition. Wow, and that's the way it is, right? They so just it's put, they put stuff aside and they just make it about everything. Yeah, wow. it's just because at the end of the day, you got you know you respect the he's a family man. He was a good businessman. Yeah, you know, and it's his family has lost their father and their husband, and you know, so how hard and, is that to move away from though to a city where um, it's you don't have I that miss community. that kind of stuff. I yeah. miss that whole, uh, but I think you can find it. I think you could like because I'm I mean I'm at like at my workplace. I have a lot of friends that I've met since I've started working there. I think you can find that like. Sure. But I think, too, like, you can kind of influence it, too, right? right. Um, I did pick a small town to live in. I mean, I moved to Devon, right. uh, which is just outside Edmonton, and it's yeah. full of newfies. Is it really? Uh, oh, it's full of new. I would tell people, I was like, we only need, like, five more. We can put the flag up. <laughs> right? But uh, Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, and I, I want to scratch your brain about this, because uh, my experience when I was married uh, here was, and this thing kind of, because obviously a lot of her friends were all from Newfoundland. Um, but you have a certain segment of people and I think it goes for any, it's, I'm not just saying Newfoundland, but this was my experience anyway. There's a certain segment that when they move here, they only hang out with Newfoundlanders. They only go to new yeah. pubs. They, and it's very inclusive. And then once in a while you meet someone like yourself who is all about making wherever you are. Home. I love people. Yeah. So you're out yeah. meeting everybody and well, really enjoying all of what the yeah. country has to offer. Well, see, because in Newfoundland, like, and I'm trying to say this as diplomatically as possible, everybody's white. Right. Um, in Newfoundland, okay? <laughs> so everybody's white. You know, Miller was so, right. This is going to get racist. This is, <laughs> this, no, but everybody's white, right? Yeah, right? Well, when I was in university, it was much more, it was, it was way more diverse. Right, right. Then it wasn't, it wasn't even a good representation of the city as a whole, right? Sure. yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's come a long way. Right, right. Um, but the community that I lived in, of Shea Heights, like, um, I'm pretty sure everybody there is still white. Um, <laughs> there hasn't been an explosive yeah, melting pot. But, of- but, at, but at the same time, I was raised, um, my dad's very, um, my dad is this, my dad's the coolest guy. He's like, he's he dropped out of school when he was like maybe in grade, I think he's got grade eight or something. Right. Um, very good with math though. He's very good with numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but he fixed cars. That's what my dad did. He always yeah. fixed cars. Yeah. But my dad's always been this like, very liberal kind of minded person, which is really weird, I guess, when you think about it, because sure. he's, he's not educated, right? Right. He's not, you know, um, I don't know. It's just weird, but he always taught me, like, it, it doesn't matter, like, you know, he, to, like, just to like people, like, you got to like, like, it doesn't matter what they, what they look like or right. whatever. It's just people, you yeah. know? Yeah. And um, so growing up, even though I wasn't, I, I was in the community, I was like, just everybody was white. Um, I didn't see, I guess the opportunity doesn't rise very much, but right. I never saw a lot of racism. Yeah. Um, I remember an incident in high school with this one girl. Um, I think there was a dance with another school in the city. Right. And, um, she had made some comments and I remember thinking like someone had tried to defend her by saying, well, you have to understand she, you know, she comes from a really white community. And I was like, no, that's bullshit, man. We mm-hmm. all come from that same community. Right. Why right. are you defending her? Exactly. You know, exactly. she's wrong. Right. She's, she's wrong and that's it. Yeah, this isn't a, it's not about uh, ignorance. This is about. She's an asshole. Exactly. She's just she's a fucking just an asshole. asshole. Let's just call it what it is, <laughs> right? So, and, and, and that's, and that's how we are too. Like, why the fuck are we pussyfooting around right. here? Like, just fucking call it, say it. Call it like you see it. Right? Yeah. So, and then, but when I came to Edmonton, like, and I've been, I've been to Halifax and I've been to, um, I've been to Toronto before in Ottawa and stuff. So, but when I came to Edmonton, it was, um, it was just so awesome, right. like because if if I wanted like like just foods, sure. like even foods, like yeah. I I don't it wasn't all fish and chips anymore, right? Fish you know? chips, dress and gravy, 
is what I remember. Yeah, yeah, fish, fish, fish dressing, dressing gravy, dressing on top, fish on the side. <laughs> you don't want your fish to get soggy, right? Yeah, I know. But, but that's that's awesome though. Like, like, like because like I said, there was a lot of people that I met that it was like. I'm only here temporary till I go back home. Yeah, it's no, always I'm always me, back home. Is, yeah, no, this is I'm like I came here with the intention of making Alberta my home. But that see that's that's the yeah. beauty of it because that's a, like for myself I'm an immigrant here I'm from the states but okay. that's an immigrant men- mentality I think that that certain people have is that home is wherever you're going to go. Yeah, I mean like a home of course will always be home. Yeah, yeah, but for sure. But home is going to be where where you make it. It's never like this is going to be temporary until we go back. Yeah, I think you know again I mean? that you're right. It's the way you look at it because like I look at Newfoundland as a very culturally um like we have a like when you look at the rest of canada mm-hmm. i don't think there's any other group in canada like any other province that can say oh no no we are we're distinct other right. than quebec and it's just because they speak french and they can fuck off sure but <laughs> but, but but realistically yeah. newfoundland you know it's it's a it's a culture it's a way of life we have right. our foods we have our own you know if you want to argue it we have our own language <laughs> exactly. you know we have our own dictionary but it, it is a culture, though. It is a culture. It's a real it really, culture. it very much is. And yeah. so when I came here, and uh, I have a bunch of friends that are from Africa, mm-hmm. and I, you know, like their food is just so good. Yeah, yeah and yeah. They, they share it with me, right? right? Right. But it's like it's a big part of their culture. Sure. My Italian friends, big part of their culture. Right. And right. I said it's so funny because it seems like the people who have that real sense of culture from where they're from. Right. They all have that same, you know, if I like you, we'll bake, we'll uh, break bread. And right. that's how, you know, that's how I show that I care about you. Sure. And it's, it's tied up in everything. Absolutely. And, um, so I've, I've been very much enjoying that. Yeah. Um, just, th- and then, and especially too, when it's like stuff that they've made, like it's authentic, right? Right, right. So it's not like butter chicken from the, yeah, from, from the, the Indian restaurant yeah, down yeah. the road. Exactly. It's like this, no, my mom made this and I'm like, I need this in my life right now, <laughs> you know? And it's so weird, like how, how accustomed your palate grows to, cause in Newfoundland, the spices are salt and pepper. Right. When right. I first got here, I was like, nope, not eating anything else. <laughs> and then now I'm just like, oh no, I'd kill someone for a samosa right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. That's awesome. But, but that, yeah, and it's it's interesting to see the similarities in culture. Yeah. Um, the Jamaicans that really freaked me out because I worked with Sterling Scott a couple weeks ago. Right, right. And he's, Sterling, he's dynamite, man. oh, he's I sweet, right? Yeah. So he's explaining like you know some of the dishes, and I go, well, we have that, and then I'd say, and he go, well, we have that. Mm-hmm. I was like, we have, and but of, and of course our screech is uh, Jamaican rum. Jamaican rum, right? Yeah. Right. So I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. That's cool. And, uh, yeah. you know, that there's so much of a, so much that we can compare in our Absolutely. cultures, right? Yeah. But so I really, and I think that's the thing is like, people, there's just so much fucking ignorance, especially now, right now sure. with the whole Trump thing on the say, heels of the share, fucking Harper thing. We share a lot of, cause we're friends on Facebook and yeah. I, I look at your stuff all the time. And that's the one thing I love about your status updates and stuff like that is we're very on the, much on the same page about the, just the fucking clown show that's going on down yeah. there. Yeah. And just the blatant. Yeah. Racism and, and xenophobe and, and just crazy shit. That... Yeah. Well, I like Trump because he says what we're all thinking. What? That you're a huge fucking racist? <laughs> he said because he's because because you're a redneck cunt. That's why. Because it just blows me away. Even when I came to Alberta. Yeah. That people, people like are proud this. to own it. I know. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, <laughs> and on one hand, I guess like because I remember one time somebody I'd been watching this interview and it was the KKK, right? And I remember this guy saying, "I like the old KKK," because they kept saying they were trying to like move away from certain words. Sure, yeah. In the interview, right? So right. they were like, "Well, no, we're not about hating other. We just feel like our race." <laughs> needs to be celebrated and this guy goes I used to, I like the old KKK better at least they fucking owned up to what they were like at least they just said it like they didn't try to pussy put around pretty it up with some words right someone didn't argue semantics right they just fucking said it and uh and that's what I think people are it's sad to see that that's how people really think you know and it's like oh, so man. how long have you been biting your tongue about other races isn't, it, isn't, it, isn't that crazy though because it's like you know I come from uh, I mean originally I'm from California but I mean the last five years where I was in Texas which is the hotbed of, of conservatism uh, and you know obviously there's a lot of racism that happens yeah. down there just some, some of the small towns I worked in law enforcement there were towns that I went to where it was well known that black people were not welcome after after dark, after six o'clock, you know, these small towns. I mean, I'll, I'll even say the name of them, like Vider, Texas and, and wow. uh, you know, Lincoln, and all these you know places that you go to and you're just like, I can just feel the fucking energy here that it's very it's just it's not welcome. If you're a person of color, that's it. And I'm like, 
it's so amazing to me that these places still exist when you think about how progressive things have become politically. Like I was just saying this to uh, to my daughter a couple of weeks ago, but I was like, you know, if if some presidential nominee 20 years ago had run on uh, what Obama or Trudeau had run on about LGBT yeah. you know, rights yeah. and, uh, and you know, legalizing marijuana, stuff like that, people would have laughed them out. I mean, if Reagan ran on that ticket or if... Clinton it would have been a lot better if Reagan had run on that ticket. <laughs> it would have worked He kind of fucked shit up, hey? He kind of... Him and that fucking cunt, fucking wife of his, they fucked shit up. <laughs> they did. Fuck. They really did. But, I mean, to see how far that we've progressed only to see, like, now it's like it's really un you know, uncovered people's true colors in the States to see. Yeah. I, cause I think a lot of yeah. it was just, was that whole, you know, kind of conforming to society, what right. they felt was socially acceptable. And now we're seeing the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I almost feel like it'll be cool in the end. If Trump doesn't get in, please that he doesn't. Yeah. Definitely. Um, to see the neighbors of the people, Who've been kind of shooting their mouth Who's off? Been out, yeah, just all of a sudden walk out guy. one morning, you know, and you're you're get, getting your paper, and your neighbor's getting his paper, and you've seen the shit he's posted on Facebook, and he's taking down his Trump sign, you know, and 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 you look over, and you know, he's like, "Hey, good morning, Ned," and you're like, "You know why? You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> you can go fuck yourself, Tom. How about that? How about take a, you take that Trump sign, shove it up your fucking honky ass? Why don't you try that, Tom?" Yeah, it's just. Oh, this is a wonderful interview. I love it. I fucking love it. <laughs> I just it. find it's just, it's just, it makes me so sad at this. My kids are 14 and 18. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I had my first child and I remember watching the news then and thinking, man, what a shitty world to bring a kid into, eh? Yeah, yeah. And now I'm looking around going, oh, fuck me, you know? Like, yeah. it's just not, it's not getting better. But do you, but do you find though with the new generations, because I, I find this too, is that, um, like, my girlfriend's son is eight years old. And to him, uh, when I say, hey, when, you know, I, you know, who's that kid or whatever, he doesn't ever, he doesn't even talk about race. He doesn't talk. No, no. Like, I think the education eventually, hopefully will catch up at some point to the generations. I, I think, so. you know how like, uh, like my daughter's generation and, and your, your son, who's, who's 18. Yep. Uh, they're so much more progressive now and liberal minded sure. com- compared us. to, yeah, yeah, even to us. And then yeah. I'm hoping now that, you know, 10 years down the road, there's going to be even more acceptance and more, you know what I mean? Education around that stuff. Like I'm hoping we're going to end up weeding those. People. I know it's always going to be there, but yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's such a fascinating thing. Where, when did comedy get into, into your life? My, that well, well, I was, I was always funny, I guess. Um, like growing up, mm-hmm. I was always the funny one, right? right? And um, I would, so I would get invited to like parties and shit because I was the funny one, right? And then um, when I was a teenager, my friends would, and I, I discussed this before um, with someone. It, it, my friends would always say to me, "I swear to God, if you don't grow up and be a comedian, we're gonna beat the shit out of you." <laughs> you and it was do this. yeah, it was funny too because like I was like, "Guys, we're in Newfoundland. That's never gonna happen. Like, right. how is that even gonna happen?" Yeah, this was before comedy. There was nothing. Sure. The most we had at that point was Yucks on tour would come in and do do a show or something at like the hotel, right? Right. right. But there so, was really no like this is actually can be a career for somebody living here. No, yeah. that was ridiculous. That was, Even yeah. yeah, no, that was never going to happen. Right. Um, and then so I kind of puttered through life. Um, you know, went to university for a bit, got married, had had uh, I had one kid, and I got married, and I had another kid. Mm-hmm. Um, got divorced. And then when I was 28, I was reading, uh, I think I was looking for a job or something. I was reading through the paper and in the, um, like the, the ad, job listings, there was this ad that said like looking for comedians. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think I could be a comedian. Maybe I could try that, you know? Right. So I called the guy and he was this guy who was trying to start a business mm-hmm. of, I guess to the extent, well, I guess like if you want to call it something like an agency almost. Right, right. So what he was trying to do was put together a group of comics that he could send around the island to do sure. shows. Right. So he wanted to be like a booker of sorts, right? Right. Um, and that was my first experience with a book, booker. And, um, you know, they've gotten a bit better since then. Sure. But, <laughs> but how, he did was, that, how did that go, though? I mean, did you have material you were writing? Was it like you're going to so, start in two weeks? or? How, so how, I tell you how... <laughs> My writing process is fucked up. Right. And my set that I do now, like my headline set, right. I don't think any of it is actually written down anywhere. It's just all coming Yeah, it's stuff that comes to me either in the moment on stage. Right. 
Or it's a story that I've already told one of my friends and watched them fucking die laughing. So you know you got to. And tell then I go, it. okay, yeah, now this is going on stage. Right, right. And um, and nothing is off limits for me, right? So yeah. no matter how most people be like, that's the most embarrassing story. How can you fucking tell people that? Which I like, love it's that. Fucking hilarious. I love that about your comedy is that there's there's a certain amount of uh, of. Uh, one like uh, of like no fucks given. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a certain amount of uh, humility that you're not worried about. No, you know what I mean. It's just like this is this is the fucking we've all done crazy yeah, yeah. shit. And this is what happened. And uh, for me, being very honest is um, like trying to you know you're trying to find your voice as a comic, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And that's a big thing trying to find your voice. People go through like a couple years usually trying to figure that out, right? Um, and it, like tweaking it and it evolves. For me, it's my voice is is just being honest. Right. I need to be honest. If I'm going to be, if I'm up there and I'm honest and that it comes across as very, um, just believable, I'm relaxed on stage right. and people really enjoy that. They mm-hmm. like that. I'm just kind of brutally honest. Yeah. But, um, the guy that was running the shows, it was my first, ex- first time I'd ever heard. Um, you can tell that joke because you're a woman. Really? Yeah. And, um, so I was like, what? Like I, I was just, I didn't really understand. I'd grown up watching like. Um, cause I, I'm blue, but right. I had grown up watching like Andrew Dice Clay and Eddie Murphy and like Richard Pryor and, right. and, and of course, you know, like Joan Rivers and, and you know, like, um, Roseanne Burr was a huge fan. Sure. So, you know, I grew up watching, um, all these comics, George Carlin. So I had all of this stuff that I, I just thought you could just say things. Right. I didn't know that it, there was gender specific material. I had no idea. Right. right. So this guy's, it was like, I didn't get that handbook and, um, <laughs> I go to the girl meetings and they don't tell us this in there either. Um, but there's not a lot of female comics in that girl meeting. So that's probably why. Um, but, but cause we're not funny. Um, but, but he says, he's like, you can't say, and I'm like, what are you talking? And he's like, and you shouldn't swear so much. Cause I swear a lot. In right. part, like that's my, who I am. Yeah, as just, a person. yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, um, he says, he goes, you, you know, you swear too much. And, Anyway, I remember my ex at the time. My ex had said to him, "You're going to eat those words." Right. Anyway, that guy's not around anymore. He's not doing anything anymore. No shit. But I did that for a little while with him, and I started to get a little bit of a following. Right. And I was I was working on all these jokes. It was going really well. Right. And then um, uh, yucks, I know. And then one of the boys open uh, started a room downtown. Right. I've been doing stand up about three years at this point. Wow. I would go into fucking karaoke bars and ask for five minutes. No way. Not even joking. I would walk into a karaoke bar and say, "Can I have five minutes?" And the guy would be like, "Well, you can sing two songs." I was like, "I don't sing. I just want to tell jokes. I just want to tell jokes. Just no let me shit. have five minutes." And wow. they let me do it. Right. Wow. So I'd go into these like bar, like all of these little bars in town that had karaoke nights and ask for mic time. No way. And yeah, nobody else is telling jokes, right? Just me. Like I'm just getting up. The guy would the guy would announce me like any other karaoke singer, right? That takes He's some like, real moxie. Yeah, but I just I loved it so much. Wow. I fucking loved it. Like I didn't want to do anything else, yeah. right? And um, so then I so I did that, and then they started a room. So I started doing that room. Right. But then the problem was, I felt like I was just playing with my dick. You right. know what I mean? I'm right, like, right. we're just we're not going to go anywhere. There's nothing. We're just doing. I'm doing an open mic sure. like once a week. Yeah. There's one open mic in the city. Right. One night a week. On like a Wednesday or a Sunday or some shit. And, uh, you know, it's never like, like who gives a fuck? Right. You know? Right. So I stopped for almost a year and then Yuck Yucks opened in St. John's. Oh, wow. And then, so they were doing the, um, the Great Canadian Laugh Off. Right. So they had the local Laugh Off. Yeah. So I went in, um, first time ever been in the club was to do the competition. Right. I went in and I made it to the final, uh, semifinals and I made it to the finals and then I came in the top three. So there was five of us locals that were, were doing the competition and five of us got signed a couple months later when they sent down, uh, Stacy Gibbs at the time was working right. with Yucks. She came down and she signed us all. She watched us. We did like a, a showcase and she signed us. And then I, I had already done my first pro weekend at that point though. Yucks had already booked me to do, to do uh, an opening spot as a middle act. Right. Right. So I did that and I was, I was, you know, I, so I had 20 minutes at this point. I was doing 20 minute spots. Wow. And, um, Bill McIntosh was running the club in St. John's and he's a phenomenal guy. He's a phenomenal comic. Um, and he took me aside and he was like, okay, I'm gonna teach you stuff. No shit. And then he sat me down and he taught me like every, like, okay, this joke is great, but you need to move that joke there and open with this joke. Wow. And then, yeah. And this so joke's really too much. Though- construct. Oh my God. Like he ta- I, I felt like it fast tracked me, you know, wow. like material wise. And then. After a couple of months, he said to me one night, he goes, you're funnier in person than you are on stage. And I was like, that's a fucking shitty thing to say. 
And he's like, no. He goes, you're quick. You're very quick. Like, right. you're, you know, he goes, I want you to host. And at the time, I just felt like hosting was a step back. Right, I was right, like, well, yeah. I'm going to host? Like, what kind of a fucking shit gig is that? Right? <laughs> right, right. And because I was clueless. Yeah, yeah. So he brings me in. He goes, I want you to come to the show this weekend and watch the host. Right. So he brings me into the show. I sit in the back. <clears throat> the headliner's sitting with me. The host is up. Right. And the headliner's sitting down telling me what notes to take. So, okay, so see how she's... It was Dana Alexander hosting. Right. And he goes, now, see how Dana just asked that? That's what you do. So this is... The, see that? That's that's the formula for hosting. No shit. So I was given like a fucking formula wow. that I stuck to. Yeah. And then, so I started doing all this really heavy crowd work. Right. Um, which a lot of my best material came out yeah, of my, yeah. my crowd work, right? right? So I started doing that. And then it got to the point that I was like um, a host that you can almost... It was like a paint-by-numbers hosting. Like yeah. I... It was a science. Wow. And uh, so all I... I mean, because hosting, I mean, for those people who have never done it, it's a real fucking art form. Oh, my God. It's way harder. I thought people it was a step back. Yeah. People think it's like some, you know, emotion. No. I tried it one time and... Not uh, everybody can host. I lasted about two or three minutes yeah. and I was like, fuck, this is going sideways. Because Not everybody can think on their feet, right? Really Some quickly. people are really dependent on their on their written material. And when you're getting up on stage in front of a cold crowd, so to speak... Yeah, and you got to warm them up. You got to really know but what you're But there's so much though. to it. Like, people don't really realize you know they think like because i've seen some fucking shitty hosts okay like i've been on shows where i've been like what the fuck is that guy doing (laughs) and it's like where did they find did he just pull him off the fucking slots out there like what the fuck right because i do the yucks and edmonton a lot but anyway um like i've had that happen right but it's you know it's it's something that you definitely that I think every comic should aspire to. Sure, is to be able to have to, to have those chops, right? Right, right. Um, I got called out recently by a couple headliners because mm-hmm. I was um, I was kind of move. I was kind of laying off on the crowd work, right? And not really doing my host and stuff. I was getting right. lazy, and right. I was so glad they did because then I started pushing it and making myself do it. Sure. And then I remembered how much I loved it. I was right. like, oh yes, I love the crowd work. You started know, getting back into yeah, it. Yeah, because even when I headline, I like to do crowd. It doesn't matter what spot I'm on in the in the show. Right. I like to do crowd work. It's always because yeah. you never know what's going to happen. But that's the other thing. You have to be fucking fearless, right? Because you never know where that shit's going to go. I've seen some really interesting scenarios pop up, and that's that's the one thing is you. Never never know what's going to happen. No. And it's, people don't realize that, well, first of all, like I've heard hosts say, oh man, I hate when I'm hosting. I only get to do, you know, so many minutes and then I have to kill so many minutes doing the crowd work and I want to just do my jokes. And they go, no, you don't get to do your jokes. You're a host. Right. Show's not about you. Exactly. It's not your show. Exactly. You know, and, and that's the thing. You have to have a certain level of, um, of awareness mm-hmm. of this is not about me. This is about something bigger than me. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, um, and that guy that's, you know, typically not always, but typically there's exceptions. The guy that's doing the headline spot has fucking earned it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, you, you know, show some respect. Right. And your point, the point of, of you being here is you're going to warm the crowd up. Right. If you have a good headliner, he's going to sit and watch you work because right. you're going to set up the room for him. So you're going to go around and go, hey, what's going on over here? Oh, it's right. a table of nurses. Dude might have fucking 10 minutes on nurses. Sure. And if he does, you just helped make him look like a fucking genius. Exactly. Because now when he comes out and starts talking to those nurses, it looks like he up. just fucking made that shit up. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Meanwhile, it's, it's, so, it's so funny because like when I first started this podcast, I mean, I really had only had you know a, a foot in, in comedy for six months or so. And when I started doing the podcast, I started interviewing comedians down at the club mostly. Yeah. And all the headliners, and I'd go into the green room, and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, and every headliner would be like, you know what? Can we do this in 20 minutes? I got to go watch. Got to watch the, oh, watch yeah, absolutely. The and if you're a good host, you're going to do that for them. Yeah. And I mean, there's been times that I've walked off the stage. Um, I think I might've done it with Ron. Mm-hmm. And like, cause I had, I had hosted for him at, um, Yucks and Edmonton. Right. But usually what I'll do too, is I'll warn them. Like I'll come, when you come out and I'm like, you know, here's your headliner and I'll shake your hand. I'll be like, um, red shirt to the left mm. and I'm letting you know that guy in the red shirt is a fucking dick and he might give you some grief no shit yep wow. and and I and that's the other thing you have to be able to shut down the hecklers uh, right. quickly right um, effectively yeah and in a way that doesn't make the show weird exactly because right? I've seen crowds turn you can really kill quickly a show. Yeah. yeah so and that's the thing so right off the bat when you come out the first thing you gotta do is um, get them excited, right? Um, get them to like you, right? And that way, then if there is a heckler, it doesn't matter what you do because now they're on your side exactly. because they like you, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a big thing. You're the buffer between the middle act and the headliner. Mm-hmm. You got to keep the energy in the room up. Sometimes, you know, 
I feed off, and this was one thing Bill Mack taught me is, um, and he he noticed it. I feed off a crowd's energy big time. Right. Right. The more energy they give me, the more energy I have. Right. And I'm a high energy act, right? Yeah. So I get really ranty and screamy and like just it's an, it gets intense. Sure. But if the crowd's not giving me what I need, I, it doesn't get dolled up as much as it should be. Right, right. So Bill Mack taught me, he goes, you know, sometimes you need to bring your own energy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're the one to that inspire fill, to fill the crowd. this room. Right, right. You know, and that's one thing that I learned. From, no, well, and that and to let a joke go. Right. You know, when people do that, they tell a joke and it's like crickets and they go, <laughs> and then they kind of like keep going. It's like, right. no, no, it's dead. It's dead. It's dead. <laughs> Leave it go. We're not going to resuscitate it. It's done. Like just act like they laughed and move on. And that was another thing. Like I could probably get up in front of a room now with like one fucking person in it and do the show as though there was 300. Yeah. Because it's it's like a kind of a mindset you get yourself into, right? right. It's like you got to get, get your game face on and like just there's go out and do real, it. Yeah. There's like a real art, art form to it. Uh, I've noticed even the times that I've done like even like open mics or whatever yep. and the person before me just shit the bed yep. and I go up and I'm just like fuck it you know I'm just going to go up there I'm going to torch the place I'm just going to go up there with extreme amount of confidence and, and just make the energy well because they can feel that contagious. right yeah. yeah and if they even if they just feel that you're like that happy high energy sure um, you've got a great voice, so right. for you, like you come out with that voice, sure. it's 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 it affects everybody, right? Right. right. So that's yeah, and that's what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, you know, it's and the same thing too with um, like reading the audience very quickly, right? Right. So I actually just commented there was a, a thread in the Edmonton comedians uh, uh, group on Facebook, and I had said about. You know, comics need to realize too, like you need to learn how to read the audience. Like there's more to comedy because people, someone had said you can't teach comedy. And I said, oh, I beg to differ. Right. Because I, while yes, you certain, a person has to have a certain level of talent and, and timing and things like that for sure. sure. There are things that you can teach someone right. like to not do 10 minutes of wee jokes in a room where it's not. Well, I think the example I used was, you know, if you're going to keep doing Pokemon jokes and nobody's getting it, <laughs> you know, move the fuck on. Right. Don't get down and tell me what a shitty fucking audience they were. No. They're fucking 50. They don't know what Pokemon is. Go home and jerk off like you do every night, obviously. Making Pokemon jokes. No, I was just, I was like so, you know. But it's true. It's, you know, and that's the thing. It's learning those things, right? To let things go to shit. Because even if you have this you know, incredible set that you're proud of, there's going to be an audience that's going to bring you back to fucking earth real quick at some definitely, point, right? Definitely. That's going to keep yeah. you humble, like Swift Current. They'll keep you humble, <laughs> those bastards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you ever, if you ever broke, like really broke, yeah. or you need to be humbled, go to Swift <laughs> Current. That's the only two reasons I can think of to go there. Being a, being a female comedian in, uh, in, in, let's be honest, there's, it's a pretty male dominated oh, yeah. industry in yep. Canada. Uh, and probably in the states as well, but but being a female comedian, have you ever felt that you weren't afforded the same opportunities or 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 treatment the same as as uh, male um, counterparts? I want to say I I want to say no. I've never you know I gotta tell you, like the guys that I've worked with have been. They don't fucking care. Right. Are you funny? You're funny? All right, that's good. That's all they care about. Yeah, and and I'm the kind of person, too, that if you did kind of get um, all, you know, female comic, female, I'd be like, why are you talking about my vagina? Because <laughs> basically that's what you're doing right now. You're talking about my vagina. And I'm not comfortable with you talking about my vagina. Like, why are you? Because that's really the only thing that, that separates. separates me from the guys. Exactly. And truth be told, I have a device at home that if I put it on, mm-hmm. then I'm actually more of a man than most of the guys <laughs> on this show tonight. So if you want, I can and strap that bad boy on. Say it if you don't believe me. Well, because I used to work in the trade, so I used to, and I was a supervisor, so I, I, oh, I yeah, I, I ate a lot of shit there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was my approach was always just to just fucking tear them down, right? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, just be like, you know, you're crying now, a girl made you cry, so yeah, whatever, you know. But but now I find, like, well, like example of two two comics that have never made me feel less than, ever, right, right. would be Darren Frost and uh, Kenny Robinson. Right, right. Never, ever have those two guys made me feel like I'm anything other than a good comic. Sure. Um, and Kenny I, Robinson, man, I've heard such amazing oh, things fuck. about him. These, yeah. They're just, they're just, they're, they're gentlemen. Um, they're professional. Right. Um, they genuinely love the business. Kenny's mm-hmm. been doing stand up almost as long as I've been alive. Right. right. And um, they just have this passion 
that's um, that's just incredible, and 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 I re- and I appreciate it. You know, yeah. I really appreciate it because I think there's a lot of people in this business now. Because now I'm at like a middle, I guess like I'm I'm six years in as a pro, so I'm at like a middle kind of a stage, or like still towards the beginning, but not quite. Sure. Um, that I look around and I see a lot of these younger guys, and they won't take advice from the older guys. Right, right. Um, and that really what bugs is that me. though? Is that is that a level of it's an ego? Is it? It's ego? Because they're like ego, yeah. they all think they're fucking like just. I, they all think they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, dude, you told a couple of dick jokes and you got right. some pussy, all right? <laughs> so you know what? I'm you know, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. But you need to get the fuck out of my face right now, you know? But I find that the younger guys, it seems, are having more of the issue with the female comics than the older the guys. Older ones, yeah. 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 It's like the older guys, I guess, came up in an era of... Um, and I could be wrong. I mean, you could probably talk to an older female comic who might go, no, no, you're full of shit. But it, that's just been my experience. Right. Um, right. That, and I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's, because that's another thing. I think it's a respect for the business mm-hmm. is first. Sure. Right? Yeah. Whereas with the younger comics, you don't see as much respect for the business. Right, right. I've been in, I've been, I've done shows in small towns where they brought me in to do their uh, local, like local, just a night. You know, sure. it's not, it's not like a, like a big, t- uh, you know, yucks thing or anything. Right. It's just some guy running a room. Sure. Uh, real great rooms. Right. And you're sitting at a table with amateur comics mm-hmm. and they've asked you to come in and host or headline or whatever. And the amateur comics won't shut the fuck up. Right. Right. And I'm sitting there thinking, you're setting the tone for the rest of the audience. Sure. If the comics don't have respect for the, respect for the show, why right. the fuck should they? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. But they treat it like they're just having fun, which is great because, you know, yes, we're supposed to have fun. Right. But at the same time, are you here to build a career or are you here just to fucking tell people you're a comedian? Exactly. Like, what? what is it? Because yeah. some of us are fucking serious about this. Absolutely. And and I think that's what we're lacking in the younger comics that are coming up. Right. Right. And um, there's a lot of uh, arrogance. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, almost contempt right. for anyone who's making money. That's an in- interesting thing. That's yeah. Interesting and like for thing. me, you know, I've worked, like I had someone call me like my, a privileged nine to fiver because I have a, an office job. And I said, you, you know why I have an office job? I have an office job because I'm a single parent. Mm-hmm. So all the other comics that you see that are, that have families and homes and everything, usually they have a wife or a husband that's at home Balancing that has a really good half. job. Right. Yeah. Right. So comedy is their contribution to the household. Exactly. I'm one person with one income mm-hmm. and, and a family to support. Right. I have no choice but to work a day job right yeah. now. Yeah. Is it going to get to the point where I don't have to? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it's not today. Right. And I don't think it makes me any less than anybody else. Sure. Because I work a day job. I don't exactly. think it takes away from what I do or how professional of a comic I am or whatever. Right. right. Um, but they, yeah, they, I don't know. The, there's a there's a good few younger guys I can look at and I can say, yeah, he's going places. He's a great guy. I can't wait to work with him one day. And there's a lot who I fucking wouldn't piss on him if they were on fire. <laughs> you know? Love it. Fuck. Love it. Where do you see yourself from here? What's the trajectory that you'd like to go? And are you happy being in Canada? Are you are you are you happy here? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, do you do you feel like um, ultimately the opportunities that you need to? I don't know. Like I know everybody. Is, right now, I'm very happy because I'm. I like being in Alberta because I'm centrally located for Western Canada, right. pretty much. Right. So I've done like from Manitoba to BC and then up north. So it's like a nice, great run that I've got going that I like and. I'm home every weekend or every week. I only travel on the weekends. I don't have to be gone for months at a time to right. do like a de- to get a decent amount of work. Yeah. Um. So it's great for me here. Um. When the kids are older, I don't know. My youngest is fourteen. I mean, there's a possibility that I will want to. I, I mean, I don't. I, I haven't. Like, I, I, I can't see me not heading to the states at some point. Right. Um. I feel like maybe. Um, I don't know, like everyone's all Los Angeles. I feel like I'd probably be better suited for like maybe Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, Daryl Lennox had suggested that to me at one point just because of my accent. Right. He said, just go in into your Irish Canadian. Just tell them you're, they won't know what a Newfie is, but tell them you're Irish <laughs> Canadian, right? Yeah. And he said, you'll, you know, you'll do well there. So I think that, that is, de- is definitely going to happen. Right. Um, for me for the next five years. Yeah. I, I mean, I know I, I anticipate I'll be in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I anticipate because I am headlining now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, currently when I'm booked, I'm getting more headline gigs. Um, 
my my growing up, I never anticipated that being a comic would happen for me. Right. And then it ha- and then I started telling jokes, right? Right. And then I was like, well, I'm never going to make money at it. And then I started making money at it. Right. Right. right? And then I was like, well, I'm never going to get off Newfoundland and, you know, do, you know. And then I left Newfoundland and now I'm, you know, no, touring Western Canada. Yeah. And, um, and I have a following and I have places that request me back. And, right. you know, so it's, and now I'm, I'm thinking, well, maybe the things that I thought that could never be possible are entirely possible. Mm-hmm. And then you see other comics do it, right? Right. So now my, my next goal is um, I'm writing like crazy. But it's um, to, like right now there's comedy is hot. Yeah. We need to take advantage of that. Absolutely. Um, everybody's looking for something. Everybody Absolutely. wants like a show or, you know, everybody's out there just crying out for comedic contributions. To well, I think there's so many different forums now to do Absolutely. That. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, yeah. well, well, you know, the, the internet, we, we have, there's so many different um, like media outlets now. Right, like we, right. we don't have, we're not stuck with just television. Yeah, because I remember, uh, how old are you? Uh, 38. 30. Okay. So yeah. like we're right on the same age. And, and. Uh, I remember growing up just thinking to myself, the only real forum opportunity wise is either you're a big comic touring theaters throughout yeah, yeah. or you're going to be seen on the tonight show or maybe Bud Friedman's like a night at the improv right. or something like that. But there wasn't like, you know, well, YouTube you channels this, and, no, yeah, and, and you and, have this, you have this possibility now of becoming like an internet thing. Right. Like you could, you could develop like a cult following. Sure. And sell out theaters, right? But nobody knows who the fuck you are. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can, um, you can kind of just roam freely and yeah. Yeah, and yeah. do whatever. There's no, you know, there's it's 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 just we- it's weird and yeah. it's fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's weird for us, right? Because sure. we're not. It's not our generation. But um, my goal now is to, um, and I'm working on this with another comic, and we we feel very good about it. We've gotten great feedback. We're hoping to. Um, pitch um a, a, we have a tv show idea that we're pitching nice. and i'm hoping that takes off right um because if it does i mean it will change everything for me yeah everything oh and, and if i, I mean, can... and, and there's so much like there's such a need for canadian content yes yes like, exactly exactly yeah and i figure like if because for me it's all about like because i always think because uh, stand-up's what i want to do like that's my it's just that's what i love it's right passion, yeah. um but I would love to be. I'm looking at the TV show as like a, like a, um, just like a, a, a springboard to get my name out there. Absolutely. So that I can tour and do stand, yeah, stand, more stand up, right? Well, it's so, the same thing. Because I mean, like you, you look at guys like, uh, and and I'll just for the sake of of uh, of you know names or whatever. I'm just trying to think here. Uh, People I've interviewed, Jerry D. Jerry D. Perfect. Yeah, because right? my my ex knew him because he did the sports show. Sure, sure. But I didn't know. Um, like I knew him. I knew his stand up. Right, right. Right. Yeah. And then, he, but he liked his sports show. Right, right. So then I was like, oh, I didn't even know he did the sports show. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, and now yeah. he's got a show. And now he's got his TV show, but that opened him up to a much broader audience. Because my ex him. wanted to see him do stand up yeah, because yeah. of because of the show. Because of, well, no, because, because of the, of the of sports the, thing. The sports thing. Yeah. Right. But then that opened him up to a much broader audience. Absolutely. Yeah. So now he didn't just have the guys who were watching. Because like I, I interviewed Jerry last year, and and I you know we were talking, and I was just like, you know, and a lot of these guys are the same, like the same thing, like you know Kenny versus Spenny, and all these types of guys that have these traveling shows. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you don't need the money, but in, in you don't like you know you've got a very successful show, you're doing very well. And it's not necessarily a thing where, uh, you know, they're going to be starving if they're not doing stand-up on the no. off-season. No. They just fucking love going out there. The, it's it, it's well, yeah. a good brand that they're just expanding their <laughs> brand. And that's the brand. thing. It's building the brand. And building that's, the brand. And that's what I try to tell people now. Like, my my thing now is building my brand. I right. feel like I'm, a, I'm, you know, if I could compare it to, like, a, a new business mm-hmm. that's just started and now they're trying to get out there. So I feel like I'm building a brand and right. that's how I'm approaching it. And I've, because I've, I've learned a lot in the last year out here. Because when I first moved to Alberta, I didn't do a lot to stand up right first because i had a hard time finding my voice in alberta sure I, it, it wasn't translating well for me right and i was really struggling with that until mm-hmm. i did a show one night and a comic saw me who had worked with me in newfoundland right so i was trying to lose my accent mm-hmm. and i got off stage he looks at me he's like what the fuck was that shit <laughs> and i was like what do you mean he goes that was fucking horrible what the fuck are you doing up there and uh, he's like just do what you do in newfoundland just fucking right. do it here yeah and uh, so i did and it's worked very well but yeah but I had to write a whole new set because right. all my material was based in Newfoundland. Right, right. Right? So nobody understood what I was talking sure, about when I mentioned sure. street names or whatever. Right. So I had to write, like, my, I do, a, like, I can, 
I just, when I was in Lethbridge, I did an hour and five minutes. Right. And I think maybe like, maybe 15, 20 minutes of that wasn't stuff that I've, like it's stuff that I've, uh, like I had in Newfoundland. Right, right. Everything else was just brand, like brand new stuff since I've been here. But yeah. I didn't do stand up for the first two years I was here because I didn't have enough faith in my ability as a comic. Right. To think that I can make enough money off it to supplement my income. Sure. So I worked very hard in the trades. I worked up north. I did all that stuff. And it wasn't until I got laid off that I, I was, I was forced. Right. To depend on stand up, and I'm right. so glad that happened. Like yeah. everything happens for a reason, right? And now I feel like I'm learning more about the business end of it, sure. and and how to build your brand and stuff. But I really feel like, like you said, Jerry D, you're looking. I'm going. You don't need the money from touring. Um, well, I because uh, for me, it's it's that that's the th- I need. I'm like, it's all about that need to get your face out there and get the name right. out there, right? right. So th- having my own show would be fucking great. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to know I have this great income, right. but at the same time, I know for me, it's it's like advertising, exactly, right? For Absolutely. when I want to do the thing that I really love to do, sure. And then knowing that you you film for so many months, you tour for so many months, and then you have a time period where you do fucking nothing, right? Like you do nothing, <laughs> right? Right? You live like the Newfie dream, right? Which is. EI, like, right. but I don't get EI. Right. I get like, I guess, like just paychecks. But I just get to do nothing. Absolutely. And but and when people go, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I fucking do what I love. It's fucking amazing. Right. I mean, sometimes it's work. There's times when comedy is work. Sure. Um. Then it's not as much fun, you know. Right. But right. it it just keeps you humble. But yeah. And then uh, and then too, if you're really smart, and I'm putting this out there, I don't even care who hears it. If you're really smart, you do a lot of the small towns. Right. Don't focus on the cities. Sure. For one thing, audiences in the cities are pretty entitled. Right. Spoiled. <laughs> They're spoiled. spoiled people. Yeah. And, you know, so you get the hecklers and shit. You go to the smaller towns, you still get them, but not to the same extent that you get them in the cities. Yeah. They're so happy because there's a co- comedian here. There's yeah, a comedy. Well, they treat you like, like a fucking rock star. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, I, I interviewed James Mullinger, and he's out doing that in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Where he just go into the small yeah. towns. And it's like they feed you, status. they give you booze. Yeah, everybody in town knows who you are. <laughs> everybody they roll out the red the carpet. I had yeah. a fucking there was a cafe in fucking BC that stayed open to feed me. I was like, I'm not even, I'm nobody. I don't even whatever, whatever. All right, I told James, I was like, are, are you afraid of going to shows and not? Sell? He goes, everybody comes out because there's a oh, they, there's a show. There's in nothing town. else to fucking do, <laughs> right? There's nothing to do. If you go there on a Friday or Saturday night, it's like just the bar. Yeah. Spingo doesn't start again until Sunday. There's exactly. nothing to do in this town. Exactly. So, yeah, they'll come out. Because I know, because I grew up there. You know what I mean? <laughs> but they, they'll come there, and, they'll, they, and they're so nice. They're yeah. so – I fucking love it. So if you're really smart, you'll do that. Right. And you'll take the door. Right. And then that's all that money the government doesn't even know about. Exactly. And I love money the government doesn't fucking know about. <laughs> right? That's my favorite kind of money. It smells better. It, you can spend it easier. It fucking fits in your purse better. I fucking love money the government doesn't know about. So if you're really smart, that's how you do it. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Speaking of branding, how can people find you? I, oh, me. On Facebook. I'm on Facebook, yeah. I have a fan page and my regular Facebook. I'll add you. I don't care. My profile is totally open. Do you have Do you have Twitter? Um, I have Twitter at Lisa Baker Comedy. Yeah. And, and I'm on in- Instagram, Lisa Baker. Uh, I want to say Lisa Baker 77 or Lisa Baker Comedy 77 maybe. But I'm on I'm on Twitter, um, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, awesome. And this weekend you're yeah. at uh, Calgary Yucks. What's up next for you? Uh, yeah, I'm at the Calgary Yucks this weekend. Um, next weekend I am off for Easter to celebrate um, Jesus um, dying and coming back. Because um, <laughs> I'm Catholic, I'm supposed to do that. Um <laughs> Yeah, and then the kids, right? And I get to eat all the Kinder Eggs and stuff. Amen. And then um, the end of the month, I'm in Abbotsford, uh, BC. The new club. Yeah, the new club. I'm very excited to go. I've never been that far west. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so I'm very excited to go to Abbotsford and see how that goes and see how they like the Newfie thing out there. (laughs) I'm sure they'll love it. Well, I just make fun of Alberta and they just... (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lisa, uh, you're a tremendous talent and uh, I wish you nothing but success and, and look forward to seeing you down the road. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You. All right, folks, and what did I tell you? Isn't she terrific? Absolutely fantastic. True talent. 
my new BFF, Lisa Baker. Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit down with me and uh, shoot the shit. It was an absolute honor. On behalf of myself, your host, Jake Hirsch, the entire crew over at Yuck Yucks, Mr. Mark Breslin, our executive producer, Kira Williams, and our webmaster on the one, twos, and threes, Camille Sorovi. And I cannot forget my boy. Every week, folks, I'm going to plug him. Lane Argue. Go check him out on Twitter. His link is in the podcast description. Check him out. Very talented musician, teacher, lover. I don't know, actually, if he's a fantastic lover. I'm assuming he's got that sexiness to him. That's all I'm saying, folks. All right. Stick around because we got some fly interviews coming up with some tremendous talent, as always. And until then, we will see you next week.